is Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy the land. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And soon the pursuers had gone out. The gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. You have heard how we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. You may remember that Elaine was gone last uh, last year to Israel, and um, she saw God doing amazing things in Israel. And I'd asked Elaine to come and and share about that, and also share the Word of God. And uh, been a delight to have Elaine become part of our mishpacha. And uh, Elaine, would you please come? like to take a moment and uh, pray with you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear about your work and the moving of your spirit in your land in Israel. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to be challenged, to be encouraged. Lord God, we pray that your ruach would stir us and that each one of us, Lord God, would hear your word in our language. Mm -hmm. And Lord God, we pray for the anointing of your spirit, that your word will come forth with the manifestation of your spirit's power. 
and that your word would be alive and effectively powerful. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Well, it really is a privilege <laughs> to uh, be invited to share the word and also to share a bit of uh, my experience in Israel in the fall. Uh, I went on a sabbatical. Uh, I'm on faculty at Denver Seminary, for those who don't know me. But I uh, went on a, a three-month sabbatical in uh, Israel and ended up doing all kinds of things that I had not planned uh, meeting all kinds of peoples that I uh, were not on my original agenda, but the Lord opened some amazing doors. So uh, I'd like to share some of those things with you. I'll focus on a couple of people that I uh, talked to, met, listened to. And wha one thing that happened is that this time in 2011 was to be able to make a comparison with what I saw happening in Messianic Judaism and among Palestinians in the early 1990s. I lived in Israel for three and a half years uh, between 1990 and 1995, and I know that there were a handful of Messianic congregations, uh, not, not very loud, but things are very, very different now. And it was such an amazing eye-opener to see how God is moving. And there are so many people praying for Israel. God is really, truly pouring out his spirit on the land and on the people in the land. And so as I was there and seeing everything that was happening, I, I, um, I, I was thinking, first of all, this is answer to prayer. The spirit of God is moving because people are praying. And I thought, wow, if only this many people were praying for Canada, my country, <laughs> you know. Maybe we would see a lot more of the move of God for Canada. But people around the world have Israel and Jerusalem on their heart and the people of God on their heart and are praying. So things are happening in, uh, in major ways there. Um, one of the things that I was planning on working on a Hebrew grammar that um, I'll be finishing this summer and uh, also to visit some Messianic congregations, which I did. But about two weeks after I arrived, I really sensed in prayer one morning that the Lord said to me, spend time in East Jerusalem. And uh, which meant to me, spend time in the Arab population. Go see what I'm doing there. Because the last 20 years have been, has been a journey through uh, Jewish communities in Israel and in Cincinnati and in Denver. And, uh, and I've, I've learned so much, been tremendously blessed. But God wanted to show me some things that he was also doing in the whole land and uh, really how he's moving in uh, mighty ways. So doors began to open and, uh, and I went uh, to some towns in, uh, in uh, east, <laughs> the eastern part of uh, the state of Israel and um, met some people that were just amazing. And one place where I spent time was Jericho. So I decided to spend time in Jericho in the Word of God also before I introduced to you someone else that I met in Jericho. I wanted to see what was God doing in Jericho before and what is he doing in Jericho now. And uh, just very similar things. When God is moving, the people respond. Amen. And so I was looking. Uh, that's why I chose the passage in Joshua uh, the passage about Rahab. 
And so I decided to hang out with Rahab and to shadow her and to make her a good friend. And she has become a good friend. And sometimes if I ask you, if you, when you hear the word prostitute, what comes to mind? And if we put all your first thoughts together, it probably wouldn't paint a very good picture. And uh, so sometimes we hear prostitute and it's outcast and truly sometimes they were outcast of society. But, uh, but God loves the prostitute and God has always loved the prostitute. And so it, interesting when you read this chapter, you have a lot of people involved in this chapter. You have Joshua who's mentioned, you have the king, you have the spies, you have Rahab, you have uh, the people of Jericho. The only two people are mentioned by name, and the first one is Joshua, to give us a context, who's the one who sends the spies. We don't know the names of the spies, but we know they're sent uh, by Joshua. And, but we quickly find out the name of Rahab, and uh, she is the main character. So I listened to her, and I, I wanted Linda to, talk, to read a little bit more about what Rahab said to the spies, and how she's, you know, how she was thinking and what she was planning. And we would think a prostitute would, would be deceitful or would, she wants her way, she would manipulate her way, or, and which may not be an un uncommon thing. But as I listened to Rahab and I watched her work and I watched, I kind of went in her house and watched what was going on and uh, I learned from her uh, some things that uh, about the Lord, about God, and about how God works in the lives of people. And so as I, listen, I listened to her and I watched her, I realized that she was a sharp cookie. And she was a, she was a very quick woman to respond to urgent, unexpected uh, situations. Here you have two spies. Uh, they knew the Israelites were coming. That was not a secret. Uh, the Israelites were not very far away. They could see them, actually, from, uh, from where they were in Jericho. But uh, I learned that she was very quick, and she was a very good businesswoman. Uh, if you think of Rahab, you may think more of a, a, a madame who was running the business in her home. The Bible tells us that it was her home that the spies went to. And uh, so she knew also how to negotiate things that were going on in her house. So she was a good businesswoman. And uh, she was thinking, she was also knowledgeable of history. And the additional portion that Linda read was, uh, was Rahab telling the spies, we know about you. We heard about you. We know what God did for you. We know uh, who your God is. And we're, we're afraid. Our hearts are melting because God has done mighty things, powerful things for you. One thing we find out about Rahab is that she also cared for her family because in her negotiation with the spies, she could have said, save me. But she didn't just say, save me. She said, save my father, my mother, my siblings, my kinfolk, everybody related to me. I care for them. And so she made a decision to bring deliverance and the conviction that was in her heart, she wanted to pass it on to the rest of the family, that God, the God of heaven and earth, was the only true God. So she, she uh, loved her family, and I bet you anything, the Bible doesn't give us the answer on that, but when the spies said, anyone who is in your house, when we come through to deliver you, 
If they go out of your house, we will not deliver them. They will perish with the rest of Jerusalem, uh, with the rest of Jericho. If uh, everyone stays together uh, in the house, then all of you will be delivered. And I bet you anything that because she cared for her family, she probably blocked the door, saying nobody's getting out of here. And uh, we're all going. The promise has been made. And even the language of the negotiation that took place between her and the spies is very much of a covenant-type language. A and she even says, I, because I she says to the spies, I have had chesed on you by protecting you, by hiding you, by taking care of you when you came to my house. She could have turned them in, but she didn't. She said, I have had chesed on you. Now it's your turn to have chesed on me and on my family. So she thought, she cared, she had a heart. Uh, she may have been in a, a, um, a, a questionable profession, but as a person, uh, you listen to her words and, and you see how she worked this whole situation, and uh, just amazing. The name of uh, the couple I want to introduce to you is Tas and uh, Karen Saada. Tas and Karen Saada live in Jericho currently, and I had the chance to go and visit them. Tas used to be a driver for Arafat, and he was also a sniper, and he was training uh, young people to be professional snipers for Fatah and uh, uh, the movement that Arafat was uh, leading at the time. And so... He wrote a book called Once an Arafat Man. And someone told me about this book a couple of weeks af after I arrived in Israel. So I wrote the book, I read the book, and I couldn't put it down. Uh, I heard from him how God totally transformed him from someone who was killing uh, Jews and Christians. He used to throw live grenades in windows of Christian homes. Uh, in the Palestinian areas, didn't want any Christians around, didn't want to have any Jews around. Sniper killed some Jews, delighted in, in, in destroying who he saw as his enemy at the time. And, um, but uh, one day he left that. He said, that's enough, I can't continue this. Came to the States, and to make a long story short, eventually he married a lady simply because he wanted to have a green card. And as one who's trying to get a green card, I can guarantee you that, <laughs> you know, I have not gone that route. <laughs> I'm going, the, I don't know if you call it the legal route or the hard route or the whatever. But anyways, he met this lady. She had a child, and uh, she fell in love with him. Uh, and uh, he pretended he was in love with her, but the whole time his plan was to marry her in order to get a green card to be able to work in the U.S. and settle. So these are some of the ministries that I have uh, visited while I was there. I went, Seeds of Hope is the ministry of uh, Tas and Karen Saada in Jericho. Jews for Jesus is very, very active, alive and well, out on the streets, preaching the gospel, doing amazing work. Uh, King of Kings is uh, led by a Canadian pastor who's been there for about 25 years, uh, also f uh, just exploding with all kinds of uh, ministries in the arts and music and, uh, and the preaching of the gospel, very, uh, very vibrant congregation. Uh, Musallaha is an organization that was founded by an Arab uh, Christian 
who uh, is working at bringing reconciliation between Jewish uh, believers and Palestinian Christians. And uh, Israel College of the Bible and Bethlehem Bible College are two academic institutions, Bethlehem on the Palestinian side. Israel College of the Bible is in uh, Netanya, north of Tel Aviv. And they are training leaders for, uh, for the growing uh, body of Messiah in the land. And they are also working together. The presidents get together. The administration of both institutions get together. And other academic institutions get together, pray together, pray for one another. And uh, they are talking about if we cannot bring peace through Yeshua, who can bring peace? How can peace ever come? So they know that if they continue on their, uh, their high horses of you know, the issues that divide them, then they will not shine uh, as a light the way God wants them to shine in the land and to bring uh, people to the Lord. So these are some of the ministry. Here is Rahab of Jericho. I was looking for a picture. I couldn't find an original. And so uh, I thought, well, at least I'll take something that looks like a real human because sometimes we, we often see biblical characters on pictures in illustrations that are so cartoonish that uh, they're not really alive. But she was a real woman. She, was, she had a heart. She had a mind. She, she had a passion. She worked hard. She did something. She sinned. You know, who doesn't? We all do. And she was a sinner, but God loved her and God worked on her. So she was an intelligent woman, a woman who knew about history and qu quoted actually from Deuteronomy. And scholars are all saying, how did she know all this, this information from the book of Deuteronomy and from the book of Exodus, of course, and other historical things, how Israel had overpowered some of the leaders and so she was a real woman who was being consulted for all kinds of things. Her home was probably more like a, you know, a tavern or an inn. Or Travelers would come in and out of Jericho, and they'd look for a place to stay. It doesn't mean that they were all consulting uh, or taking uh, advantage of the services of the prostitute or other prostitutes who were there, but they were staying there in her home. And so she... She's an important piece of what God did over 3,000 years ago. We are left with this wonderful story of conversion in this place in Jericho. Now, here are Tas and Karen uh, Saada, and the picture of the book, Once an Arafat Man. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, it's uh, uh, very interesting. He... Uh, I read the book and I decided uh, to email to see if I could get in touch with them. And immediately I got a, uh, an email back from Karen who said, what, you're in Jerusalem? Oh, very interesting. Can you come down to Jericho this weekend on Saturday? I said, sure. And so I went down, took, uh, had to take different taxis because uh, uh, some of the buses didn't go uh, out of Jerusalem on Shabbat, but they were there waiting for me at their office. And if you have looked at the Messianic Times, the latest one, you have the logo here, Seeds of Hope, and there's a page with an article on Tas and Karen and the ministry and the way God has changed their lives. So they're amazing. And last night I decided to email them and say, and tell them how thrilled I was that their ministry was featured in Messianic Times as Palestinian Christians who love Jewish people 
And Tas would tell you that one of the first things that the Lord did in his heart was to give him a heart, a love for Jewish people. And also, one thing that got my attention in his book, and I read it twice because I, I thought, is this, did I really read this? Excuse me. He writes that he believes that the land was given to the Jewish people. And most of the time, in Palestinian, uh, on the Palestinian side of things, you do not read this. There are many books that have been written about the theology of the land. And this is one of the major issues uh, that separates the Palestinians from the Jewish population, but also the Christians on both sides. So I read that, and I read it again. I wanted to make sure that that's what I had read. And I thought, wow, I have to talk to this man. That's why I emailed him and said, um, you know, can I meet? I thought they were in the Gaza Strip at the time, but uh, after they became believers in the U.S., they, the Lord called them back to, uh, to the Gaza Strip, back to the land. They went to the Gaza Strip for two years and established children's ministry and daycare and because they have a real heart to prevent children, young Palestinian children, from following in the footsteps of Tas when he was a child and a, and a young man. So after two years, it was difficult in the Gaza Strip. They moved to Jericho, and they now have two different homes that uh, uh, are converted into daycare, uh, children's facilities, cultural center for young people, uh, pool tables, ping pong tables. So they have days where young uh, men, teenagers will come and use the facility. Other days, uh, young women, because most of them are Muslims and they're, they know the culture, so they're working well, uh, well with the culture. And uh, when we left his office to go to the homes, he wanted to show me the homes. And... Um, I realized that he had been a driver for Arafat, so you can just imagine how quickly we got to the home. And even, <laughs> even his wife was hanging onto the dashboard at one. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, um, but uh, Arafat uh, survived his driving. But one thing that Tas did also when he became a believer is uh, to and go back to the land. The first thing he did is to uh, he went to Arafat. And he wanted to share the gospel with him. So he knew that there was a risk that he would never come out of there al uh, alive. And so Karen and prayer, uh, the prayer teams were praying for our safety. Uh, so he went to Ramallah, met with uh, Arafat, and told Arafat, my life has completely changed. And now uh, I have met Yeshua, I've met the Lord Jesus, and uh, I'm a believer, I will never do. I regret what I did, I cannot change what I did. And he said to Arafat, you need to turn your life to Jesus. And apparently, uh, Arafat had tears in his eyes when he left. And uh, so, uh, Tas left the compound where Arafat was, and really praying that the seeds would take root and grow and so we don't know. We don't know how far that went. But that is one thing that uh, they are doing. They're also starting businesses for uh, people in the community who need small loans to start their own businesses. They're helping the Palestinian community through all kinds of uh, means to, to be in their lives, to be in touch with their lives, and uh, to be a light shining for them so that they be drawn to the Lord. 
and there are many opportunities to serve. There are many opportunities to serve in ministries, Jewish ministry in the land, but there are also many opportunities to serve among the Palestinians. And if you ever want to uh, go and do, spend some time in the land and uh, work among Palestinians and Jews, I can give you all kinds of uh, names, but this is an excellent place to go and teach English to uh, children, teach English to mothers, to adults who speak primarily uh, 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 Arabic and don't use uh, the little English that they learned. Uh, there are all kinds of ways to go and serve, work in their daycare and, and help in many ways. So when I was thinking of Tass and Karen and Rahab, are there any similarities to, to them? Well, they live in the same town. And, Ra and Jericho was not very big uh, 3,000 years ago. It was a small town. And it's still not a very big city. But uh, they live in the same place. And the same Holy Spirit did work in them. Both of them are business mind. Both of them, Tass and Rahab, uh, sought to help their people and save other people who were in their midst connected to them. Uh, both of them cared for the family. Both of them were, are, were quick. And both of them did some terrible things. One murdered, and, you know, in America, he would be in jail. But here he is, a free man serving the Lord uh, in uh, Jericho and speaking around the world also. So one thing that um, Tass shared with me when I sat with, uh, with both of them in uh, his office, he shared this scripture with me that, that made me think. In Ezekiel chapter 47 is a description of the land. And as, I, uh, uh, as we read Joshua, the book of Joshua, we see the distribution of land per, uh, for each of the tribes. And in Ezekiel, we also see how the, the redistribution of land in the future uh, will be done for all the tribes. But we looked at this passage. It says in verse 21, you are to distribute this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. That is set. It's a gift for forever to uh, God's people. You are to allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the aliens who have settled among you and who have children. You are to consider them as native-born Israelites. Along with you, they are to be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the alien settles, so the land still belongs to the tribes, wherever they settle, there you are to give him his inheritance, declares the sovereign Lord. So you would never have a land that is completely void of aliens or Gentiles or people who live in the midst of the tribes of Israel. And as we have in the Old Testament, we have the aliens among them who worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob throughout the whole Old Testament. Now, I'm trying to get somebody, one of our master's students, to write a thesis on this because I think it's very important for us to do a really good biblical study of the alien among them. And when the alien among them came to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then the community continued to thrive and they could serve the Lord. When the alien among them brought their gods with them, then and Israel fell for that and ended up being tempted to serve other gods, then Israel was in trouble. So, but the, the, the idea that the aliens, the Gentiles, would come and be part of the community, I think it's an important study that needs to be done for all of us even today to really feel at home that we are worshiping uh, together with the Jewish people whom God has called forever. Amen. Amen. So here, Taz sees himself this way. 
as someone who is an alien among them, but who loves the people, loves the Jewish people, loves the Lord, and, and is serving and will help his people. And he's trying to bring his people and bring them out of Islam uh, to show them who the true God is. And uh, so as I read Joshua chapter 2 and looked at Rahab, so many things were, uh, were exciting about Jericho. If you hear about Jericho, think about the move of God. Think about God uh, moving by his spirit a long time ago and still moving by his spirit today and doing amazing things. Um, there, uh, I was reading in a commentary on the section about Rahab and uh, the commentator says, the drama in Joshua 2, 1 to 7 is intense. There's no doubt about that. The fact themselves make it so. You have spies, you have prostitutes, you have a king in panic, you have a cover that is blown out, that is blown. You have a cover-up, you have the dark cover of night, men covered by flax on the roof, a misguided wild chase, and a quick closing gate that squeaks of Canaanite fear. And I thought these elements all make for a very intense story. And things are still very intense in Jericho. And uh, they're always intense in the land for those who have been there. But th the stories of Jericho are stories of redemption. We find a lot of stories of redemption. A long time ago, there were stories of redemption. And today, there are still stories of redemption in uh, the same area. In, uh, in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun secretly sent two spies. And you think, well, why did he do it secretly? You know, when you share too much information, what can happen? Well, why did he send only two spies? Because he had learned that if you send 12, you probably end up in trouble. <laughs> and uh, so he sent two secretly, having learned from past experience that the job can get done with a minimal amount. With, and we have other stories in the biblical text where God uses only a few God uses only a small people to do great and mighty things. So Joshua has learned from Moses also uh, how to manage strategies. So he sends two spies from Shittim. And I have a picture here of, uh, this is Jericho, and you're looking at the Jordan River and the mountains that are kind of faded in the, uh, in, in the background. That's Jordan, the country of Jordan today, which would have been Moab at the time. So Shittim was probably about somewhere over here. And when I was at uh, Seeds of Hope this, uh, this fall, I stood on the roof of one of their homes where they have children's ministry and looked at the valley. And it gave me such a better understanding of what, first of all, the people of Jericho were looking at. They see, imagine, a million or two people, uh, you know, it's hard to hide them. And uh, they're there, they're coming, and you already know that they, great and mighty things have taken place uh, because of their God. So they feared them. They wondered what's going to happen to us. So uh, they were ready to shut the gates, and they were ready to protect themselves, and they were on the defensive. So they, the Shittim on the other side is where the, the two spies came from, but you have two men come into Jericho, you know, they, they, many people came in and out of Jericho as they were traveling. Now, one thing is this is strategic area also because it's a direct path from 
the east side of the Jordan to the west side of the Jordan, and south in this direction is the Dead Sea. So this was really a strategic place for a town. And some people believe that Jericho may have been also a military encamp encampment and not a, a complete uh, town, which, you know, not so sure about that. Why would you have all the children and the, the parents and all that if it were a military outpost? But uh, the Joshua says to the men, go look over the land and look specially at Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And one thing that you find is uh, in this, in Hebrew, you can see the juicy language that is used in this whole portion. You have three verbs in Hebrew that are repeated several times. Bo, which means to enter, but it also is used in, uh, uh, for sexual, uh, in a sexual context. You also have yada, to know. It's another word that is also used in a sexual context. Genesis 4.1, and Adam knew Eve, and they, bear, uh, they, they had a child. You know, so he knew her very well. And uh, then the, there's shachav that is repeated several times. And where he laid down, they laid down. And all these three terms. So when you read the text in Hebrew, it's really uh, palpable, uh, the, 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 the genius, if you want, in the way the story is written and with the choice of words that are there. So here they are told to enter. So some scholars have said because of all this language, this type of language, well, probably the spies must have had intercourse with some prostitute or Rahab. And uh, they can read that if they want to, but it's not there, and it doesn't say that. And I really believe that uh, Joshua sent two men of integrity, two men who were going to get the job done, and there's no hint at all whatsoever that there was compromise in this area. But you'll, you'll read this. Some people will go in this direction. Now, when it, te it tells us that uh, Rahab was a prostitute, there are two terms in the Hebrew Bible for prostitute. One is a zona, who is a street prostitute or common prostitute, and the other one is a kadesha, and it's the same root as kadosh. That would be a temple prostitute. Uh, um, Rahab was a zona, not a kadesha. So she, it was a business as... Uh, would have been uh, for um, prostitution in those days, which is not something that is unknown in the ancient Near East. And another thing that's not unknown in the ancient Near East is sending spies ahead of the army. You, we have that in other ancient Near, Inter Near Eastern texts that uh, where two spies in Hittite texts, we have evidence that uh, the, the general of the army sent two spies to a town because they can strategize much better than just going there for the first time. So they have the spies bring back a report. So what was being done here is not unique to the biblical text, but it, it uh, has a theological perspective that uh, other ancient Near Eastern texts do not have. Now the name of Rahab, Rahav, uh, it means wide, broad, open. And so some would say, well, was that really her real name? Or does it really show that her profession was one that opened up, uh, you know, her home to all kinds of things? Uh, I would opt for, yes, it was her name, because we find in the book of James and in, uh, in the book of uh, Hebrews that she is mentioned, and as a historical person who served God. 
and who turned to the Lord and who ended up being justified uh, because of her actions. In verse 2, it says, The king of Jericho was told, The king of Jericho was told, Some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Now, the king of Jericho, when we think of a king, we think of a king of a uh, huge area. That is not the case. Here in the book of Joshua, we have all kinds of kings that are mentioned, but they're basically the mayor of a town because you have the king of Jericho, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hatsor, the king of Yarmouth, the king of Lachish. The king, they're all kings, but they're really leaders and often uh, under some empire that uh, is controlling the whole area. And in the time of Joshua, uh, Egypt was very much in the land, and uh, some of them reported to Egypt as uh, the head uh, over them, the, the ultimate head over them. Uh, Origen, who's one of the church fathers, uh, makes a comment about Rahab. He says, from being a harlot, she becomes a prophet. For she says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Prophetic statement. You see how she has, she that was once a harlot, sinful and unclean, is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And at one and the same time is both witness to the past, believes in the present events, and prophesies concerning the future. Thus Rahab, which means breath, increases and goes forth until her name extends to the whole limits of the earth. So even to this day, more than 3,000 years later, we speak about the amazing things that Rahab did in Jericho and how she turned to the Lord. In verses 3 to 5, it says, So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, of course, they were afraid. Their hearts were melting. They'd heard these Israelites are coming. They're here to spy. They know the methods that uh, uh, other people use. And, but verse 4, But the woman was taken, had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. And so real quick thinking here. Oh, two men? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, they were here. And, uh, but they, they already left. And one thing that's interesting here is the, the use of the verb yada. I don't know. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they went. But the first thing that she tells the spies when she goes to, make the, to negotiate with them for her salvation and that of her family is, I know what God has done for you. So this lo yadati, lo yadati, I don't know, I don't know. But first thing she says to them is yadati, I know. And so, and she, she, so she's a bit selective in her... Uh, revelation of what she knows doesn't know and some scholars have said well isn't it unethical uh, to lie uh, in order to you know in in favor of your uh, your argument or whatever you're trying to do is it right uh, should we condone or should we condemn the lies of uh, of uh, Rahab and uh, some say well she was a sinner so she lied and, uh, but uh, I think that God likes some lies sometimes. And I was thinking of in the Holocaust, those who, s those who hid 
Jews in their home and told DSS, no, there's nobody here. We don't know these people. I think I would lie, and I wouldn't consider it a sin. And so she lied to save the lives of the spies. She lied to be able to deliver some people from, uh, from the destruction that was coming. And she lied so she could really follow, uh, continue uh, with her life and follow the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So ethically, can, could she lie? Well, she did. And, uh, and thank God she did. <laughs> And uh, now this is uh, quickly, uh, uh, again, couldn't find a real picture, but uh, the type of Israelite house that you would have had in those days, you have to imagine that this would be built along the, the, the city wall. We're told that her house was in the city wall, probably with windows on the other side where she dropped the, the spies to go uh, to leave Jericho and flee to the mountains. Um, and so possibly we're told if, she ca if they came out through a window, you had to have a two-story house. And many of the, st uh, the houses were one-story houses. This one is an example of a two-story house. It, the, the text tells us that she hid them under flax. And flax could be easily four or five feet tall, and you would dry them on the roof. The roofs were flat. People sometimes slept on the roof. Sometimes people did their laundry on the roof. And so when I think of the story of Bathsheba, some people say, oh, she should have never uh, washed on the roof. Well, I thought, what was wrong with that? Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us she was naked. And that's, that's a problem. That's read into the text. And I do not see that she was doing anything wrong. She was out there doing what you do on the roof, washing, bathing, maybe washing herself. So anyways, that's just a sidetrack. But... Uh, <laughs> um, but they did all kinds of things. Sometimes if it was really hot, slept on the roof. And so it was a good place to hide. And that's where you dried uh, the flax. You left it uh, on the roof. And um, uh, if we continue on, uh, we know that the spies are hiding there. In verse 8, it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know. She told the other guys, I don't know, but she says, I know, I know what? That the Lord has given you this land. When I read that, I heard Tass's words. I know that the Lord has given the land to the Jewish people. I'm an alien among them, and I want part of it. This is home for me, and I want to be part of what God is doing in this land. Therefore, I will follow him, and I will serve him. And I know that great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. And when you have heaven and earth, it means that you've got the God of everything, the God of the entire world. So she's making amazing statements. Here is a, a comment by a commentator, Howard, uh, on the book of Joshua. He says, Rahab's statement in verse 11 bears some reflection, for it is a most remarkable statement in the mouth of a foreigner. 
Not only did she affirm that this, her own land, was to be given to the Israelites and that Israel's God had done some impressive things for this people, but she went further than that and affirmed that the God, the Lord your God, is God of heaven above and on earth below. So she wasn't just saying your God, she was also saying Baal, Marduk, Molech, Asherah, all the Canaanite gods are nothing. Your God is the God of heaven and earth. So she recognized there was only one that she could follow. So her confession of faith is powerful. Her confession of faith in the one true God changed, definitely changed her life, changed the life of her family, and is left uh, with us as a testimony. Another commentator says, God's mighty acts in the history of his people have two immediate results. Future opponents, or those who reject God, are afraid. But intelligent ones confess Yahweh, the God of Israel, as God of heaven and earth. So those who get it make a decision and follow and are freed and are delivered. So I believe, uh, here's just uh, also an uh, illustration of how she would have hit the spies. Uh, God is still saving lives in Jericho. And that's what I bring out of this passage, that God is still at work there as he was there more than 3,000 years ago. And I'm going to skip these. This is all evangelism that uh, I have seen take place in the land. But I believe that the days are coming when they will hear, the people will hear about what it, God is doing among his chosen people and their hearts will met, melt before the God of heaven and earth. And I believe that as God continues to move and to grow his, his people and to multiply his people, believers, both on the Jewish side and on the Palestinian side, uh, in the land, that people will start seeing God instead of seeing all the issues and instead of seeing the differences and seeing uh, whatever it is that's hindering them. The Spirit of God is being poured out now, and I believe that the best is yet to come. And I believe that uh, we need to continue praying and continue supporting and continue uh, encouraging because they, of course, they face a lot of obstacles and things are, are often very difficult. But God is moving in Jericho and throughout the land. B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Elaine. Would you please stand? If you were here Wednesday night, you will have seen the story of Tas and how that he reached out and has been a very special uh, brother to a, uh, an Israeli who also hated Arabs and how God brought the two of them together. This is a DVD called Forbidden Peace, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, by the way, um, Elaine is in the, the last stages of writing a commentary in the book of Joshua, and uh, it's done. Uh, it's not... I should know that. I have a copy. 
in any event, let's take a moment and uh, and just pause. Lord, uh, we thank you for this strong reminder that you are greater than our weakness, that you're greater than the strategies of evil. We praise you, Lord God, that you reign in our lives, that you reign in this world. Thank you, Lord God, for showing us what's taking place, what you're doing in the land. And uh, Lord God, we pray for each of us Lord God, you know where we are in our walk with you, in our journey and struggle of faith. Lord God, we pray that you cause our faith to be strengthened. Increase our faith, Lord God, that we would see you above and beyond all the facts on the ground. That we would trust you for the fullness of what you have in store for us individually, for us as a spiritual family. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is yes and it's true. I pray, Lord God, for any of us here today, Lord, who are struggling in this area. And we pray that your ruach, your spirit, Lord, would stir us and would fan into flame our confidence in you. Lord God, that we would be bold men and women in faith and that we would follow you by faith. I just want to ask, encourage you, challenge you that if you've had some hard times and your faith is wobbly as happens to all of us that you simply say Lord I choose to trust you I choose to trust you because you have shown yourself to be faithful to me in the past and so I trust you that the fullness of what you have will be accomplished so as our as we conclude our service in the time of worship, I want to encourage you to do that. Whether in your seats or whether up here with those of us who are praying, make that decision today to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you wholeheartedly. We pray, Lord, that your word will be combined with faith and that it would bear much fruit. The name of Yeshua. Amen.